Hello and welcome to Welcome Me Humans. My name is Matt Phelan and this is Sarah Parrott. Uh, hi Sarah, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. For, for our listeners, just so everyone knows, I'm, um, I'm in an Uber with my, um, with my driver Bobby. How are you Bobby? Hi Bobby. Um, and Sarah, where are you today? I am at home in my kitchen at my sort of makeshift desk. Nice. You got a couple on the go? I have, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So just a reminder for people on the show, um, new listeners, that I do the show to, to stop being selfish. And in the journey of my job of what I do, I get to meet um, and speak to some amazing humans. And I've been following Sarah on Twitter for a while. And the reason I asked her to come on is because she really shares how tough it is to manage her life in HR um, but also her role as a parent and just hearing people be honest about about the balance and what it's like I think it's helped a lot of other people so I wanted Sarah to come on and discuss all of that um, but yeah I've loved following your journey Sarah um, let's introduce you in your words um yeah so I'm um... I am a HR professional in the civil service, um, but I think a big bit of me is the fact that I'm a single parent, um, and I know lots of people are, but it's been something um, sort of for me and my son since he was six months old, so it's always felt like quite a big deal for me, and sort of trying to manage the two, but sort of been in civil service for about 10 years now within the HR function, um, but yeah, I'm just, just sort of a normal, I suppose, working mum, just trying to like balance everything and keep things together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's do the speed round. Let's get people to get to know you. Um, tea or coffee? Tea. Good one. Um, staycation or vacation? Ooh, vacation, definitely. Vacation. And uh, the tough one, which is Spice Girls or ABBA? Um, yeah, so I think for me, definitely have to go ABBA because it endures. <laughs> yeah, good choice. I have to listen to the musical on a regular basis with my daughter. Oh, cool. <laughs> on my Amazon Alexa. Okay, so... Sarah, I just want, this is a bit of a, a just a, a random question really around work and home. Do you ever, do you ever find, do you ever learn stuff in your role as a parent that you apply at work and vice versa? Do you ever learn stuff that you apply in your HR, HR role in the, within the civil service uh, back into being a parent? Um, so the answer, no problem, the answer is no, but I'm just intrigued. Uh, I think um, definitely, I think um you know, most people, I guess, that work in the HR people profession, um, you know, I know I can't talk for everybody, but I think there's so much that you learn about people and sort of human behaviours and things like that. And certainly, like with my son, sometimes he often quite feels like my toughest stakeholder to manage. Um, <laughs> so that kind of sometimes puts some of the things that are happening at work, which can be yeah. challenging into perspective. Um, yeah. And I just think, you know, that the whole sort of like when things are changing for him, like he has quite big reactions to it if it's something that's just landed on him and I guess like that's equally the same isn't it quite often for people at work unless it's kind of got something intrinsic that's kind of the what's in it for me factor which definitely like leveraging that with him um, yeah. always kind of achieves a bit of a win-win outcome but obviously you can't always give that all of the time and equally that can be the same at work too when you've got to be prepared to deal with the fallout I guess. <laughs> yeah no and um, so let's go back to the beginning of your career how did how did you get into HR? Um, so for me, um, I had a bit of like a life sort of change situation that happened to me in my sort of uh, mid-twenties. Um, and I was kind of left in a bit of like a position which at the time didn't feel good because it was to do with like the end of a relationship. 
but actually um I kind of managed to flip that around and kind of really think about what I wanted to do with my life so um that led me to go to full-time university when I was 26 um and that was when I kind of always had this thing that I'd really enjoyed working sort of in jobs where um sort of you know people were a factor etc and like it was actually around learning and development because I kind of thought you know work with companies and they sort of spend this money on learning and development but they never really quite seem to like hit the nail on the head with why, why they're doing it and stuff like that so yeah I imagine there's um, a lot a lot of listeners saying that thing about the why 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 would you do it that's a good question to ask yeah so um at that point I sort of went and did um a full-time degree in business psychology with HR um with a view to sort of actually entering the HR profession and I was just really fortunate that when I finished um university I applied for the civil service HR grad program um and managed to sort of get a space on that um and then you know spent the last 10 years um working in a few different civil service um departments in various hr roles um so that's kind of how i landed in hr but i just think like the the range of the abroad there's just never a dull moment really (laughs) (laughs) so sarah have you have you um, there must be a lot of people listening to this podcast now that that were in that situation you were in where they thought they were in potentially the worst part of their career and you've turned that into a positive haven't you 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 really thought about what you wanted to do you took a sideway you took you tried to educate yourself in a different way by going back to university have you was that all accidental was it conscious have you got any advice for anyone that that might be thinking do you know what I'm having a SHIT time at the moment I want to change things up any any advice at all I think, um, you know, like taking the, I think if you've got the time to think about what you really want to do, I mean, at the time that I like, that, that was a real low point for me in my life. I mean, I was only earning some like £6,000 a year and like living with back with parents and stuff like that, which when you're in your mid-20s, you kind of think, oh my God, I should be a bit more further advanced than this. And I think yeah. for me, it was like looking at the job opportunities out there, there always seemed to be this bit of a ceiling kind of happening. Like if you didn't kind of have much more professional qualifications around you it seemed to be a bit of like a salary ceiling and I think what kick-started it for me was the fact that you know it was linked to this relationship end and I thought you know what I really don't want to be financially dependent on anyone again yeah and I just I mean I'd kind of wanted to go to uni when I was in my sort of um I suppose 18 19 year old but I did kind of the thing that I took a gap year and thought actually I don't know if this is for me at this point in time and if I'd have done that I would have been a marine biologist potentially on the Great Barrier Reef right now, yeah. um, rather than sort of a HR professional. <laughs> um, yeah. But I just think sometimes you've got to think things happen for a reason and yeah. um, sort of go with like your intuition um, yeah. and take risks as well. I mean, obviously it was a big, big risk to kind of go from any kind of employment into a full-time university situation. Um, but I just really enjoyed it, to be honest. It was good to sort of like go with a purpose in a way because I think when you're 18 you kind of have a lot of pressure don't you to sort of like think about what your future career is going to be and you have to nail it down and get everything right but actually by doing it a bit later on in life I knew what I wanted to do then and I had a purpose and a focus to university but I still could like mix that up with having a bit of fun at the same time and like not kind of a nine till five Monday to Friday sort of schedule yeah yeah and so you land in the civil service What's, what, what's your first thoughts? 
when I landed in the civil service. Yeah, what are you thinking? You're excited? You're scared? Are you, um, is it, is it, are people helpful? Because one of the reasons I wanted to get you on is, is if you've not worked in the civil service, you haven't got a clue. You only hear the, the potentially how restricted it could be. And we just, I'd love the listeners to kind of understand what it's like as, as a new starter into the civil service. Yeah, I mean, I think um, the civil service, you know, it's such a massive, um, well, beast or machine, whatever you want to call it. I mean, 400,000 people around the country sort of all trying to contribute towards um, you know, like services for the public. And I think that was one of the big attractions for me because um, prior to sort of in earlier work histories, I'd like worked um, in companies that used to be part of government. And I just think there's such a strong sort of vision and mission around like what people are trying to achieve through that um you know to be fair i'd um worked in office environments before so you know a lot of that wasn't dissimilar um but being on the hr grad program like we were very supported like we had development you know that was put in place for us to you know to work towards getting the cipd accreditation so it's like really supportive um you know like you the peers that you join with like they become your friends uh, yeah. and whatnot and i just think it it's such um each hr role or each department just brings such a wealth of opportunities to sort of do something different in different contexts so i think yeah. um you know like i think personally how can you not be motivated by that and like the impact that you're having it might be on the people in the organization but ultimately they're serving the UK public which you know that's what we're there to do. I, th- I find that such an interesting point because I don't know if you saw our study but we we did a study into all professions and it came out that the unhappiest profession was HR oh, okay. um, and it's obviously sad on the top of it but when you uh, do correlation analysis and, and look into our data on on why that is one of the highest ranking factors for HR people is impact mm-hmm. so if HR people feel like they can't make an impact it, re- it reduces their happiness in the role, which you'd assume that was the same for every role, but but it but it's not. Do you you're saying there that do you feel like there's people who go into the civil service who who generally are there to make a difference? Do you find many people like that then? Hundred percent. I mean, I work um so at the minute I work in the Crown Prosecution Service. Yeah. Um, you know, like obviously a key part of our role is about delivering justice um for the UK public and yeah. um. You know, like you know, we sort of do an annual employee um, engagement index, which is published um, on a yearly basis on gov.uk, like all departments in the civil service. And when you look at like how people connect with organisational purpose, it's like literally right up there in the sort of 90 something percent. Yeah. Um, because I think people, you know, like especially if you're a lawyer, you kind of if you come in into the CPS, it's because you absolutely buy into the fact that you deliver justice. And like equally, yeah. you know, I've worked in um, the DWP department for working pensions at the end of the day they're dealing with people who sometimes are slightly more vulnerable yeah. and need support and you know like the people you know that you get either working in job centers or different like they're all committed to making that person's life better yeah um, and again like sort of working i worked in um HMRC as well and equally they, they have a vital role in terms of funding public services and making sure that we collect the revenue that helps so I think like each department contributes and each employee contributes to what that um, department's trying to achieve so I think purpose and vision mission is really important and that's what we're there to do. Sarah a question on that um, we're seeing more more and more um, HR and marketing teams working closer together and, and listening to you, 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 you're saying things to me about the civil service I've never heard before. 
Like, if, if you ask a lot of people outside the civil service about the HM, HMRC, they, they kind of see it as, as, as the, bad, the bad people yeah, <laughs> who come and take your money. But, but yeah. the way you're saying it is that really without services and collecting that revenue, they, these services can't exist. Um, do you think the civil service needs to do a better job at explaining what it actually does? Um, I mean, gosh, we're such, it's such a big entity, isn't it? And I think, um, you know, like, obviously, there is kind of a lot of scrutiny that happens around civil service as well, which, you know, like, when you're kind of a civil servant, sometimes that does seem sometimes a little bit unjust. Um, yeah. But equally, you know, we're there to serve the government of the day. And, you know, there are kind of people you know, that work in comms departments either within, you know, we have a comms department within the CPS and they will publicise um, sort of things where we've made prosecutions and, and served that. But I think, I guess, like, for each department, they've got different values and, and impacts that they bring. And I suppose it has yeah. to be kind of specific to the context, you know, like, obviously, climate change and, like, it, departments like uh, Dep Department for Farming and Rural Affairs. And, you know, like, we all play a part in kind of, you know, all of these things that we read about in the news. But, um, you know, I, I guess we kind of just quietly sometimes get on with it because, yeah. you know, we, I think that's just part of the civil service. And, you know, we have to, we serve the government of the day and we, we have to have integrity and we have to have impartiality as well. So I think there's kind of a bit of a balance to be struck there, I guess. Yeah, I, I think the reason, and this isn't a political statement, you think about, because obviously if you think about the happiness index and what we do we sort of we really measure the intangible stuff that sometimes in business gets forgotten but can have a huge impact on performance and say the financials of a business yeah. and, and if you think about austerity and again this isn't a political statement about George Osborne but a lot of stuff got stripped out that people didn't really understand that in the short term say mental health services as an example you might go well that 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 saved money that reduced the deficit that meant that um yeah, that, that, that metric was looking better. But down the line, we've actually ended up with people that may be in jail or in the NHS that actually wouldn't have ended up there if had those services. And um, I do wonder if that some, of that, some of that great work that's been done in the civil service just isn't, it isn't shared so people don't understand the, the impact of it. Do you think there's any ways that the civil service could share their impact better? Probably. Um, but yeah, I suppose like that's kind of like, even though like obviously I'm engaged with trying to like make the world of CPS um, for, for their employees kind of as good as it can be. Um, yeah. You know, like we, you know, in terms of the sort of that side of it, I guess it's kind of up to the people at the top to kind of define what they they want that vision and mission to be. And I think there seems to be a bit more of a will around that. Um, that's kind of you know made quite public um, but yeah. yeah I guess like, anybody's always got room for to sort of do that do that piece <laughs> yeah no definitely and so going to um, what we were talking about earlier in terms of employment and the challenges that we all have as individuals and and, and you talk a lot about about balancing um, uh, being a single parent with work and all that kind of stuff have you have you got any advice for anyone on how to balance and it, and it doesn't it's, this isn't just for single parent this is for everyone isn't it like yeah, how sure. do you balance work and i'm not sure i like the, the term work life balance but 
Mm. Have you got any advice for people on how you and on how you can bring all the pieces of your life together? Anything that you've learned along the way? Do you know what? I'd love it if I had like a really lovely answer to that that kind of worked <laughs> every time, but I really don't. And um, to be honest, like with my son and my work, um, what I find is that if things are all right at home but hectic at work, I can cope. If yeah. it's the other way around, and you know, Charlie, my son, um, like if he's not like in a great uh, frame of mind and you know but things are calm at work it's fine but then when they kind of are both up there that's when I do find that my resilience gets a bit tested yeah um but one of the things so I I'd like a little bit of like a mini kind of crash a couple of years ago um just for various different reasons but I think on the back of that I kind of sought support and um did um some of the CBT um online um offer like cognitive behavioral therapy piece and it kind of really challenged me to think about that whole like thoughts feelings behaviors cycle yeah and um i found that really helpful but also i just think for anybody it's about healthy habits isn't it because i sometimes if i'm feeling a bit fed up and you know it'd be quite easy just to resort to sort of like having later nights watching stuff on either you know netflix or whatever it is um you know like probably not eating uh, like a, a decent diet not drinking enough water and like actually that yeah. does have like a massive impact on obviously physical health but actually your mental health yes. um so I just think like trying to have good good habits and as well like don't beat yourself up when things do go a bit pear-shaped because yeah. I'm quite a one for beating myself up but again like I recognize that that's not really helping anybody it's not helping me it's not helping my son yeah. it's not helpful at work um, but equally, like, because the civil service does have a, you know, a really good sort of um, range of support that we can tap into. So, like, I can work flexibly, yeah. I can work from home. And to be honest, that, you know, taking that two hour commute off my day when I need to go to sort of my office space in York makes a huge impact. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of nice for my son because he kind of gets a bit more of my time as well. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there is kind of ever one sort of like golden like bullet that we can all go. Yeah, that's going to work because each person has individual sort of, you know, circumstances. And you've just got to yeah. find out what works for you and what works for your family. If you've got a family or, you know, what, whatever your situation is, really. Yeah. And I, I it's so and it, it leads us into flexible working, doesn't it? And I, I think it's so important for people to have the, the human stories. I was talking to um Mark Wright, the CEO of um, Fatface, um, yesterday, and he was talking about how they let people leave early on a Friday now. Um, and beforehand, they thought the assumption would be that everyone would use it to go to the pub early. Um, but the reality is everyone's using it to get to the school gates early. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I said to him, You've, by that change in your business, you have fundamentally improved the upbringing of some children. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I find. Whether you're in the civil service or whether you you're running a um, a business, or you're uh, Bobby sitting next to me here in Uber, like the decisions you make can actually fundamentally change other people's lives, can't they? Yeah, and I think for me, like um, the whole sort of you know, like you do read a lot, don't you, in media that kind of tells you you're a good or a bad parent, depending on how much time you've got for your child and things yeah. like that. And it is one of the things I struggle with. I mean, I've worked full time pretty much since my son was nine months old, um, yeah. and I was he was six months old when I became a single parent. And um, you know, I will have times where I'm like, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? Like, you know. Yeah. 
do I still want to do this? But then I, I've had really great managers as well who've been really supportive and have just said, look, you might not know it now, but later on in life, your son is going to see that you're a really good role model to him because you show that working hard and providing for him and things like that and giving him the life that you're giving him. And it kind of is a bit of a trade-off and there are times where it just it is really awkward when you know yeah. like you've got meetings to, that really important meetings that need your time, but then say your child's ill and you're just like I, and it, it is hard because obviously the child definitely comes first. Yeah. But equally it doesn't stop the feeling like personally for me, I'm just I feel like really um gutted that I can't make <laughs> the meeting, but I've kind of tried to sort of um rectify that a little bit. But I just think you've you've really got to find out what works for you and you know, take regular breaks and stuff like that. If yeah. you find like I mean like a way like have scheduling your time off so you can spend that quality time, you know, I with believe. your family or your loved ones, what whoever that might might be. It's funny because um sort of my background's entrepreneurship and I get a lot I've got two children and entrepreneurs contact me that don't have children and they say things like, Oh, I'm really worried about having children because I won't be able to do what I do now. Um and my advice is always I think it's made me a better entrepreneur being a parent. Um, I understand life more. I understand other people, um, and I would say the output of what I do is better than, better than before. So, um, some people worry about that sort of thing, don't they? They think, "Oh, how's it going to impact my career?" Um, and it's obviously different. Everyone's circumstances are very different, but um, there's so much you can take from all these experiences, isn't there? Oh, definitely. I think there's never like any again, like as well. So I was like on part of like the HR grad program. It was about getting progression within a certain amount of time. And, you know, with having my son, it did take me a little bit longer. But that kind of just taught me that like the journey can be different for, for, for people. And that's OK. Um, you know, and I've still kind of managed to get to sort of a fa- fairly decent um sort of position and I'm still looking to advance my career like I'm not kind of settled where I am yet I want to kind of keep pushing on and improving myself and I think that's one of the things about me as well like I've always been quite a self-starter in some ways like if I find a barrier um which being a single parent there are quite a few that kind of crop up along the way I kind of like it might initially sort of impact me negatively and I'll you know probably have a bit of a grump about it um but then I kind of step back and then I think about it and I think about what I need to do to move forward so like you know like get like a good mentor in your corner um, things like that like really help that you get advocates along your way to sort of like help help you um figure out solutions when things aren't quite going to plan and I think that's I mean from just listening I think that as we move into summary of the podcast I think that's the big thing that I'm taking from you. That do you know that Michael Jordan quote? I think so. Yeah. I mean, so it, it, for those that that don't know, it's turning every negative into a positive, and that's what mm. every time I I listen to you, that's what I get. Which is you acknowledge stuff when it's feeling bad or whatever, but then you review it and think about right, what can we do about this? And mm. I think that's a I think that's a really strong message for anyone that's listening. Um, but let's go forward, Sarah. You say you got you got there's there's more you want to do in your career like what are the things that's exciting you about the the people side like we do a lot of neuroscience now there's a lot more insight data technology what are the things that you're looking forward to in the next five years um that we can do in the people side of business um so i mean at the minute i'm in the position which is feeling quite nice that i'm drawing together our people strategy Right. Um, for the CPS, which is brilliant because I really love um, strategy work, but I also love and CPS is Crown Prosecution Service. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Crown 
you should yeah, service double check yeah and then what I really like is the fact that not just looking at strategy as like a kind of in the air like thing that you can't touch but actually making it tangible for people and like you know solid yeah. commitments and you know we do a lot around the whole well-being agenda but I actually think you know there's so much more to do around that um you know looking at things like Martin Seligman's PERMA model um what, you know, what can you um tell us what that model is Sarah so the well-being model, um, PERMA, so it looks around kind of different uh, pillars um, of kind of what makes a positive workplace from that positive psychology perspective. Um, obviously, resources are kind of freely available, but it looks like how, how kind of engaged people are in their work, you know, like how much purpose does it have yeah. um, and like how much people can get in the flow of work, etc. Um, and I just think sort of models like that and kind of looking looking at it from like a wider systemic um, perspective, when you look at, you know, you think about organisations, like, you know, what are they there to do? How are they structured? Is that optimal? And, you know, clearly, you know, most um, organisations, kind of civil service or private sector, like the influence of technology is huge and it's kind of moving at pace. And, and I'm just really excited to sort of like work with my colleagues um, across the department to sort of really think about, you know, what technologies we might, we might be introducing and kind of how we can kind of make that feel advantageous to people. And like, I think obviously your work on the whole happiness thing, like we want people to feel happy at work and, yeah. um, you know, like come come there and feel like they sort of they are adding the value that it feels like a good environment to work in. Yeah. Um, like... Sorry, Karen, Sarah. No, I just think it's kind of all, when you tie all of that together, I think it is just around that whole like more human, a more human workplace, I think. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And I think it goes back to your point earlier, doesn't it? Around if you're feeling it at home, it's not so bad or if you're feeling it at work. And I think for years, people have tried to pretend there's work and then there's home life and the two shouldn't impact each other, but they do. Um, and we're human beings. Um, mm -hmm. So... Sarah, um, I am now 1.6 miles from home, which means we've got five minutes to wrap up. Um, <laughs> so I just, I want to go in, I've got the three final questions for you and I want to leave um, you to have the closing one, but what was the, um, what would you say um, was the lowest point in your career? Um, in my career? Um, good question. I think, um, <laughs> And I just think getting to grips with being um, a single parent, I mean, I had to relocate um, at that point in time, sort of from, from the Midlands back up to the Northeast, which is where my family are because I needed their support. Um, yeah. So that was a challenge because actually I wasn't quite certain on what that would mean job wise. But I think the beauty yeah. of the civil service is we are a national organisation. So, um, you know, working with the teams, they were able to kind of deploy me in a different role in a different location, which was brilliant. And they supported that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was the that was so we got so, and that was your parents, was it, who also supported that on the other side? Yeah, like they they do so much for me to help me out with my son around childcare and things. I couldn't do yeah. what I do without them. <laughs> so shout, we got a shout out then for your parents and yeah. for the civil service. So yeah, um, moving into uh, what's that been the highest point of your career? Um, so one of my big projects I did um, a number of years ago was around the whole age demographics piece um, and looking at kind of obviously the impacts of an ageing workforce within uh, one of the departments that I worked in. And actually, like just we held um, a big age summit 
which was yeah. sponsored by the permanent sec permanent secretary and lots of our leaders came to sort of like and I think it was just one of those examples where you're kind of getting sort of leaders in the business to kind of join up on a people issue which you know yeah. it was just like it just showed actually some of this stuff is really important and we do all need to get a grip of kind of some of those issues that are facing the workplace in a positive way yeah so Sarah that's amazing we're going to go on to the last question and I'm going to call you out for calling yourself normal because I don't think you're normal. I think you're absolutely brilliant. I think what you shared today is going to help a lot of people out there that are progressing in their career. So I'm going to let you have the final words because we are now 0.9 miles from home, um, <laughs> which I just want you to just share your biggest learning in your career. Um, so, but before you do that, I'm just going to say thank you for coming on and just being so honest about life and work and, and, and sharing your journey with us. Yeah. So thank you. No, thank you Over for having you. me. Yeah, thank you for having me because I was like super flattered to be asked to do this, especially <laughs> looking at your kind of previous cast list. I was like, I'm just little old me in the civil service. But um, no, no such thing. <laughs> I think um, one of the things for me, I was like kind of jotting down a few thoughts yesterday around kind of like looking at my journey and my career. And I think one of the things that I've always looked to do is uh, push myself out of my comfort zone. Um, yeah. And that's only something that you can do yourself um and yeah it's important to have kind of support or the resources around you to be able to do that but actually that's where most people's biggest learning does come from by sort of you know like testing things trying something because you know the worst thing that's going to happen is it doesn't quite fit for you but that's okay um so I think just do that you know take some risks sometimes and see if that trip pays off brilliant thank you Sarah all right no worries Matt <laughs>